You can't stop burning if you're still standing in the fire. But when you give out of your fulfillment, of your completeness, it's different than when you get into a relationship where you're expecting the other person to give to you. And in this current relationship that I'm in, I've learned to be more giving and constantly aware and conscious and awake of how can I give to this person rather than what can I get. The subconscious doesn't judge. If I'm talking like that all day long with myself, the subconscious mind now thinks that's what I want and desire. Welcome everybody to the weekly Power of Your Voice podcast. I'm your host, Mike Murphy, and we're super glad that you're here to join us for this awesome show we have planned for you today. Uh, we have a special guest with us, a therapist that also owns a wellness center and is um, well-versed in many subjects, and especially mental health, and that's kind of where I want to take the conversation today. And then after Maritza Kelly is our guest, we will bring on our, we'll have our regular Mountains of Health, um, Mountains of Hope health segment, and we'll bring in Kelly, and she'll give us a little 10-minute health tip. And just a reminder, Mountains of Hope is our transformational health retreat center here in Medellin, Colombia, and feel free to check it out at mountainsofhope.com. And then to close the show, I'm going to talk about the superpower that we all have inside of us and the ability to use, and very few of us ever use it. And that's going to be an exciting close to the show. So buckle up, stay tuned. And right now, I want to introduce our first guest, Maritza Kelly, is a therapist, coach, and educational trainer for therapists and coaches. So she trains the therapists and the coaches. She is passionate about creating solutions that make her clients' life and business better than they ever imagined. She has been working in the health and wellness space for over 20 years and is always eager to learn new skills and stay up to date on what's new. She is also a fervent advocate of alternative therapies and is always looking for ways to give back to the community. In her free time, she enjoys her family, travel, cooking, reading, and learning. And I first met Maritza about a few months ago on a, on a random call. I was introduced online and we had a Zoom call and I was in my car on my telephone and I've never met somebody so passionate about what she does, so giving. She gave so much of her time to me and subject matter. She didn't just met me, just poured her heart and soul and her brains into my life so I could learn about what I want to do. Uh, she has a wonderful husband, Joe Kelly. And so, Maritza, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're super excited to have you here. And I have to ask you, you know, we had dinner the other night, so I've really gotten to know you and and I see you on Facebook. I love your family. She, by the way, she's mother, mother of three kids of her own and two stepchildren. And I just love the way they're raising their family. But I'm curious about your childhood. What was it in your childhood that, that triggered you to be so passionate about wellness and caring about other people? So I have, um, I'm one of five kids uh, between my mom and my dad. And, you know, my family is very passionate. I never watched my parents work like a traditional job. Uh, my parents have been business owners since I was born. My dad actually owned women's health spas. So him and my mom had a company called Women's World back in the 70s and 80s. And it was very popular um, in the Northeast. And it just became part of my life. Like as soon as I remember, you know, as a little kid, like I've never been um, into sports, like traditional sports, like baseball or football or things like that. But I've always appreciated athleticism. And I was always really excited about being in shape and being healthy, whether it meant like eating healthy or, you know, waking up early in the morning, even as a little kid, like all my kid pictures, you can see of me like dressed up in like little leotards. And so my mom was like, let's put her in dance. And I was like, no, I'm good. You know, but put on that body by Kiana or that Tony little video in the morning or that Mickey mouse or size. And I was ready to go at 4am. <laughs> Tony little. I remember that well. <laughs> okay. So you have a wellness center, you're a mm -hmm. therapist, you coach other therapists, you're my mother. What do you see as the biggest issue facing families in the world today? So it's interesting. So I have a degree as a therapist, but I've never really worked as a traditional therapist. Um, when I finished graduate school, I decided to open up my own business. That whole like one-on-one -on -one thing with me, it just seeing a client here or a client there for like my VIP days and things was great, but I couldn't imagine myself sitting in an office 40 hours a week and being like, you know, you know, here you are seeing a client day in and day out. And when I started 20 years ago, it was more office-based type of performance. We didn't have Zoom. We had Skype, I think, right, eventually, right, right, right. but we didn't really have much. So when I started my first um, 
mental health and drug and alcohol treatment center, um, I noticed a lot of things. Um, I didn't come from a family where addiction or mental illness was prevalent. Um, so me going into mental health, mental wellness was more about just telling people that they could live a great life. Um, I experienced a lot of loss as a uh, teenager and young adult. Um, I went to many, many funerals of young, very young people. Um, we lost, you know, in our, and we lived in a, a small, uh, close-knit community. So when we lost somebody, like we lost five kids in one car accident in high school, you know, and, you know, a very traumatic accident um, on a major, on a, one of our town's major roads. And I saw how that impacted everyone. And for me, becoming a therapist was more about teaching people that about fitness, but also about wellness and how we all have the ability to live, you know, our ideal life, whatever that is for us. Um, and we don't have, like, I've always kind of been like that problem child where, you know, somebody would say, well, this is the way it is. And I'm like, well, why is that way? Why does it have to be that way? That doesn't make sense. Right. I don't want it to be that way. I'm going to change it. Um, so it's more, more of like out of rebellion, it's kind of come about. So you just said a lot, but, <laughs> <laughs> but so we were talking the other night, you know, addictions and all those things are a big issue, but really it boils down to mental health. And, and how do you see mental health in today after the pandemic, what's going on in the, in the marketplace with people and their mental health? Well, I think, like I was saying before, is that we've ignored mental wellness for so long, therefore triggering mental illness. So it's kind of like if you're just eating donuts all day long, and then all of a sudden you have to be treated for diabetes, well, diabetes wasn't the presenting problem. The presenting problem was your poor nutrition. You know, so the thing is, is that we have people, um, it's kind of like when you think of starting off the beginning of the year, right? Everyone, teachers always say you start off the year with a blank slate, right? You have a blank slate. So we all come into this world, you know, let's not look at somebody, let's look at the norm, right? Not, you know, oh, well, I have a genetic predisposition to this, or, you know, I was born with, you know, this heart disease. Let's look at the norm. Most of us are starting off with a blank slate, right? We can do anything. We can be anything. We can have anything. And then we start ignoring little things, right? But we ignore little things so much that they become big things and then little things become a problem. Mm. And that's where I think that the mental illness is now taking precedence because we're going, we're looking at each other, scratching our heads going, what's going on? Like the problems were always there. It's just now like the dust has settled, so to speak. And now you see what's going on, right? Now we have social media. Now we have areas of, you know, communication that is more prevalent than what was 20, 30, 40 years ago. So now we're saying, oh, wow, people are, really, can I curse? Yes, go ahead. <laughs> okay. But now we're saying like, wow, people are really fucked, yep. right? Like, like, and, and we, we see this now to whereas maybe 20, 30 years ago, we just didn't see it. it didn't mean that it wasn't there, but we keep ignoring problems and expecting them to go away rather than saying, no, these problems have always been prevalent, but what's getting worse is our diets are getting worse. Our forms of communication, um, we're not seeing people as much. Uh, people aren't working smarter. People are working harder and more often because we have these things attached to us at all times. So that means we're always checking email. We're always checking text message. You know, if my parents left the house at eight o'clock in the morning, I didn't see or hear from them again until five o'clock at night. Maybe I would get dinner on the table. I wouldn't know. Now my kid, my daughter, I think tried to FaceTime me 20 times yesterday within a three minute time period. <laughs> so, so we're not doing less. We're doing more. And we're not taking the opportunity to relax. And when we do, quote unquote, unplug, it's almost like, you know, people go into a vegetative state or they go into, um, you know, a state where they're drinking or uti right. utilizing recreational drugs. Right. And that's not recovery or repair. You know, the other night you said something that really enlightened something in me when we were talking about the brain. And then we were talking about the mind, and there's a difference. So, so the brain is the hardware, the mind is the software. So let's talk about the hardware for a second when it comes to nutrition. So you just said that sugary foods is bad for the brain hardware. What would be good nutrition for the brain? So we want to eat healthy fats, um, things like avocados, olive oil, olives. Um, we want to get a good source of omegas. Um, that are going to be healthy for us. We want to make sure that we're having getting enough vitamin D, that we have enough iron, that we're drinking enough water, that we're getting enough green uh, fruits and 
fruits and vegetables. So dark colored fruits and dark colored veggies. Um, we want to make sure that we're drinking plenty and plenty of water. I know I already said water, but you really can't drink enough water. Most people are walking around with toxic food in their system and they're dehydrated. So we're dehydrated, undernourished and underslept. So we walk around like zombies. We are dealing with this brain fog and it's just a symptom of not taking care of ourselves. So nutrition, because we, if, if the hardware of the brain is messed up, we're messed up. We, we're kind of, we got to fix that first and foremost, right? And yes. so nutrition, and what about sleep when it comes to the quality of the brain? Oh, sleep. I mean, I think you and I talked <laughs> like about sleep for about an hour, right? So I wear my Fitbit, you wear your mm -hmm. ring, and I monitor my sleep because I noticed even myself, um, I think I had mentioned to you, you know, my daughter is four. And when we moved into our new house, she started slowly creeping back into our bed and she's a violent, violent sleeper. So I noticed right. that I'm reacting and responding. I'm basically sparring with her in my sleep. Right. And if we're not getting enough sleep, our brain is not repairing like it needs to. So we need to make sure that our brain is getting enough sleep and enough of quality sleep. The REM sleep yeah. is very important. If you're noticing that when you wear one of these devices, if you have the ability to get one, that you're not getting enough sleep, you want to look into that because that's going to create lack of focus during the day, which people then call ADHD or ADD. You know, it's going to create maybe feelings of angst, which people call anxiety. Then those feelings are going to create a sense of overwhelm and maybe make you not function as well. And then that might create some sadness or disappointment in your life, which people then call depression. So you have one thing that is therefore impacting every other area of your life. And if we're not paying attention to that one thing, you're going to go treat the depression. You're going to go treat the um, ADHD with a stimulant, right? Which is going to further um, impact your sleep of not getting enough. Um, you're going to treat the anxiety. So now you've got uppers, you've got downers. And then you're wondering why your heart is doing this all day. You're going to wash it down with some, you know, uh, cafe con leche, right? Some, some like uh, sugar water uh, with a little bit of caffeine. And then we're like, I don't understand why I don't feel well. I don't understand why I'm bloated. I don't understand why I'm depressed. Um, and, it, and it really starts in the kitchen so and in the bedroom. For you guys listening out there, so I get about four to 20 minutes of REM sleep a night, and it really affects my brain fog, affects my focus. I'm working very, very hard on changing. And in that, my particular case, I really believe it's sleep apnea, so I'm starting to learn how to use this CPAP. So we're gonna do a show on this. We're not gonna get into it today, but you gotta really, you know, I wear an aura ring, and Marissa said what she wears. So you gotta figure out your REM sleep and your deep sleep, because without good sleep, you know, the three bases of, of health are nutrition, movement, and sleep. And so those are three big things, and if sleep is, equally important so okay now let's talk about our second brain our if our gut is messed up what's that doing to the hardware of the brain well it's it's going to give feedback right yeah. so when your gut is messed up right let's see okay so if now now we're we're going from here to here right yep. mm -hmm. and i don't typically call i know a lot of people call the gut the second brain i don't really refer to it as that all the time but when your gut is not eating those good foods, it's not eating those fermented foods, it's not getting the foods that's necessary, it's going to get, you can get what's called leaky gut, right? Um, and I'm not a medical doctor, but I do have, you know, certifications in nutrition, nutrition therapies and things like that. So, but what's going to happen is then that's not able to properly nourish your, your cells as well, right? Mm -hmm. So think about if you put a cover on your car, right? Like a car cover, and then you try to wash it with the cover on it. It's going to be virtually impossible because you don't, you have a barrier in place that is now preventing you from doing what you need to do. So your food and everything that you put in your body is constantly going through your organs, through your intestines, through your pancreas, through your liver and through your gallbladder. And we are seeing people who are having all these gallbladder issues, all these liver issues, all of these gut issues because they're not cleansing themselves properly, right? So we have the foods that we're eating and we're eating at a level of abundance. You know, we're not back in caveman days where we had to hunt for our food. We, you know, basically if I want a hamburger, I can find a place down the street and I can go get a hamburger or I can now Uber Eats or DoorDash <laughs> and have it here in 20 minutes for an extra $20, right? right. So we have literally created a society to where we don't have to want or need for anything. And we put in little to no effort mm -hmm. into our health and well-being. Basically, we snap our fingers and it's there for us. Yeah. And what people don't recognize is that's actually causing more harm than good. Yeah. 
right? Because your gut is very important. It is going to be directly correlated to how your brain is functioning. Because if you're not, again, feeding it the nutrients that it needs, it creates that barrier to health, which then, you know, translates into messing everything else up. Yeah. And if we don't eat properly, now we're getting bad bacteria, we're getting bad viruses, we're getting parasites. And those are living conscious things that communicate to this brain and tell this brain what they want to eat. And so that's why we have cravings. And then, of course, they defecate. So now we have all this toxicity in our body and it's a freaking mess. So anyway, so thank you for well, sharing yeah. that. Well, and I'll tell you a fun fact. So like when I was pregnant, you know, I have three babies. Um, they're not such babies anymore. <laughs> One's actually bigger than me. Um, but I have, you know, three kids and throughout all my pregnancies, I did raw vegan pregnancies. So I had a chef who I became friendly with, and this was before a lot of like the meal prepping, um, companies were around. And I said, Hey, like, have you ever thought about doing meal prepping? And he's like, uh, and so anyways, I convinced him that it was a good idea. And I got all my food from him during my pregnancies. Do you know, I've never had one craving Wow! during my pregnancy. People will say, Oh, I had a craving for this or I had a craving for that. I don't think I ever ate a cookie or a piece of cake during any of my pregnancies. And I never missed it or felt like I was missing out just because I didn't have those cravings because my body was being met with exactly the nutrients that it needed. You know, I never gained more than 17 pounds in a pregnancy. I was able to stay perfectly healthy, you know, and I was able to give birth to three very healthy babies at a healthy weight, all naturally as well, without the use of um, drugs or epidural or any of that, which also too negatively impacts the brain because the epidural and Pitocin stop the production of oxytocin in the brain of children, which can lead to things like ADHD and depression and anxiety. So for all you ladies out there that just heard that, <laughs> I mean, you don't have any excuses, right? Because um, I'm a father of four, and so I've been through four pregnancies, and so uh, they weren't as you described. So I applaud you for that because I know how, how difficult that is and how much effort and discipline that takes. So congratulations. Okay, so now let's move to the other part of the brain, the mind. Mm. How would you explain it? Because I know you do therapy, you do hypnosis, you do all that stuff. And so for, you know, the mind's the software, but it's really our belief systems and it can be brainwashed, it can be controlled. So how do you deal with all that? What, what's your thought on all that? Well, you know, you have a brain, right? Your hardware that's running properly. Your software then is able to run more efficiently, right? Yeah. So the thing is, is that when we first start with our brain and that's being properly, proper nutrients, proper sleep, proper things going in, your mindset already is going to be better, right? Because you're, you're in a good place. When you feel bad, you're typically not in such a good place. And then you have to kind of will things to go through. So creating good mindset, even when people say like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to be happier. Okay. Well, what does that even mean? When did you decide that? Like what else is going on in your life? You know, because if you have somebody who's in a relationship, maybe it's a violent relationship or abusive relationship, you're not going to be happier by willing it to be happier. Yeah. You can't stop burning if you're still standing in the fire. Yeah. You know, so you have to step out of the fire. First off, take a look at what's really a contributing factor to creating this poor mindset. Because I hear a lot of, and I, I hear it a lot from different coaches and therapists of, you know, just take a deep breath. And it's like, well, before we start taking deep breaths, and we start saying, okay, like my mindset is in a really bad place. Well, what is your mindset telling you about your shitty situation? Yeah. Because if you're in a bad situation where you're not feeling loved or valued, whether it's by yourself or somebody else that you're with, if you're not treating your body kindly with proper food, nutrition, and sleep and water, you know, what is that then saying to your mind? It's saying, okay, you don't matter. My body doesn't matter. I'm not going to treat it fairly. I'm not going to treat it nicely. So I would say there's a whole assessment that needs to go into it. You need to look, do a brain assessment then a mind assessment, assessment, and then a body assessment, and then a spiritual assessment. And they all really do closely correspond with one another because, you know, if your spiritual health is suffering, you know, how is that then impacting your mind and your body? You know, if you're, you know, if you're doing something where you're going against your value system every day, how is that negatively impacting you? So it's really, you know, I've really systematized our program. And when we're teaching it to therapists, coaches, speakers, consultants, and we're teaching them whether it's going into a business to reassess the business and do a whole SWOT analysis, you know, or if we're teaching it to a therapist who's working with clients, it's, you know, really asking questions that dig a little deeper. And the point has to be is what are you going to do to get results? Yeah. 
you know, not just sit there and have conversations of take a deep breath, you know, here's this pill or fire this person. It's really about like what is actually going on underneath the surface, the root cause of the problem. And you slipped something in there that I want to make sure the audience picks up. You said water because we need to hydrate, ladies and gentlemen, and especially the brain. We need to hydrate the brain. I really believe that that when we're when we get older, we, we, we don't die. We dry up because we don't hydrate and we don't take care of our physical body, which leads to all these other problems. Okay, let's go. I know at uh, Om Wellness in South Florida, there the city is what? For Om Wellness is Park? Uh, Om Center for Wellness. And it's, what city is that in? Parkland? or Parkland, yeah, yeah. Parkland, Florida, ladies and gentlemen. Check it out. I was just there. It's a beautiful facility. But I know you do brain mapping there. So when you're doing brain mapping, you're putting electrodes on the brain. But are you mapping the hardware for frequency and, and brain waves? Or are you also working with the mind? Because so, what I heard you just say is the healthier the brain, the better the thinking, the better the mindset. So when you're doing the brain mapping, are you focused on the physical, the hardware or the software? Or both? I guess the best, the best way that I could explain it is if you think about working a muscle, right? And you're at the gym and you're training your bicep, right? Yeah. So when you're training the bicep, you're contracting, right? And you're focusing right here. So when we're looking at the brain, so we're putting the electrodes on and we're seeing, we're reading the brain waves in Hertz, right? So we're looking at the frequency that's going in what direction we're measuring for levels of coherence, right? Uh, based on the normative brain for the person's age and demographics, then we're getting our output that's showing us either how coherent or how incoherent um, certain aspects of the brain are functioning, right? Because we're looking for functionality because there's either efficient or inefficient, right? There's no good or bad. It's either efficient or inefficient. It's either working or it's not. So if you think about now you've got the muscle, right? So we're working the muscle. Now, how do I look at it as efficiency or inefficiency? If you think of like uh, driving a manual vehicle, right? Like a stick shift vehicle. If I'm driving on the interstate, I'm on I-95 here in South Florida and I'm driving in first gear, that is not the best gear for me to be driving in. So if my brain is in first gear, I want to train it up to be more efficient. But also too, if I'm driving through a school zone in sixth gear, that's also not very efficient, yeah. right? So you don't want to start to try and go to sleep while you're in that heightened state, right? Now that state might be great if you're out there and you're in a business meeting, you're standing on a stage, you're speaking to thousands of people. But if you're trying to go to bed or you're trying to have an intimate moment with your significant other, it's probably not going to be very efficient because it might end up being anxiety. You might be, get labeled as type A. So it's about being better able and more efficiently able to shift from thought to thought in the most effective manner. So it is affecting your brain, but it's also affecting the way that our thoughts are then transmitted, which then impacts the way that we feel about them, which then impacts the mind, right? Because the mind is the information coming in. Then we distortedly and generalize it based on values, beliefs, identity, all of that. That's going to give us then our state, our emotional, physical state, which is then going to create our behavior. So the brain, if it's not working up efficiently in order to process our thoughts, then our mind might be a little bit held back in our ability to create a positive mindset. So boy, you triggered a lot of thoughts in me right now. But so, <laughs> so, but number one, so, cause I, my understanding is the, the brain, the hardware is the greatest pharmacy in the world when it comes to making medicine internally for us. Right. So, but it's the thought that, that spurs the brain to make the chemical, correct? Yeah. So lousy well, thoughts, lousy chemicals, good thoughts, good chemicals, correct? Correct. But also, too, if the brain isn't working efficiently in able to transmit one thought to the other, mm. you're going to have thoughts. Yeah. So it's it's counterintuitive to just work on one. That's why when people are like, it's all mindset, I'm like, but it's really not. Like, you can't have good mindset if your brain's not efficient. Exactly. You know, and, and the brain is made up of 75% water. So if you aren't drinking water, you can't have good mindset or good brain set. And... The other thing that you brought up for me was when my son Mike was maybe third grade or something, the psychiatrist wants to talk to us, okay? Hey, you know, your son's great, but he's got a little learning disorder. You know, you brought up talking about a manual car, but what he explained, when, when your son goes to have a thought, he goes to push the gas on the car, there's a glitch. So therefore, you need to give him this speed that's going to rectify it which is Ritalin in that case. So talk about ADD, 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 and then the way we medicate these kids. So I'm not a huge fan of the DSM-5. 
Um, which is what? Which the, what's DSM-5? The, it's, it's the Diagnostic Statistic Manual that okay. a lot of therapists and psychiatrists derive their diagnoses from. Um, I don't believe that it, I don't believe that asking somebody a series of questions is going to give you an appropriate diagnosis. I mean, I could sit there and ask somebody questions all day long and I can say, oh, you have cancer. Oh, you have, but you would never diagnose somebody with that, with cancer without doing a blood test, without doing an MRI, without doing a series or a battery of tests. Yet a lot of times we have these therapists and psychiatrists that they're going to give these written tests or these oral tests. And then based on the information they get from six months, a year, whatever it is, they're going to then give them this diagnosis and treat it. And then we see that people go on these medications and they're not working, right? They're, they're not efficient. They end up having different problems. And then they're like, okay, we'll give it two weeks and then we're going to switch the medication. So there's a better way. You know, we can do a brain map, we can do blood work, we can monitor symptoms, we can change nutrition, but people aren't talking about this um, for a couple of reasons. One, schools, when they start putting kids on medication and when they start uh, doing what's called an IEP, which is an individualized education plan, they get funding for that, right? So schools get funding based on how many students have disabilities, right? Um, we also are coming from a society that is not preventative. It's very... Uh, reactive, right? So we see a problem and rather than say, okay, well, how do we educate, you know, which is interesting because you're in school to be educated, <laughs> right, right? right? But there's, a, there's very little education going on in the school systems. Right. Um, but I believe that, you know, education is power. Knowledge is power. So when I present somebody with information, I say, do it with it what, what you will. Like, I don't care what you do with it. But knowing that you have the proper information is so much more powerful than not having the proper information because then you can make an informed decision. But what the school does a lot of times, what they did to you and your wife and, and your son, is they use scare tactics. Right. You know, the psychiatrists, they use scare tactics. And they'll say things like, if you don't, what will happen is, it's like, what kind of bullshit is that? Right. Like, what is your what is your actual proof that if you don't do this, then this will happen? And how do you know for certain? And also, too, understanding that when you're dealing with a developmental developing brain and a developing body where you have surges of estrogen and testosterone and, and just hormones and love and school and parenting. And think about it. I mean, being a teenager sucks. Like somebody's always telling you what to do. If you're in school, the teacher's telling you what to do. If you're at home, your parents are telling you what you to do. If you're at sports, your coach is telling you what to do. Like, what the fuck? Like, if I had someone telling me what to do all the time, I'd fucking freak out too. So, you know, we don't take into account or into consideration allowing kids to be kids and giving them that independence and freedom to feel the emotions, yeah. to work through certain obstacles, to really say, hey, yeah, I'm struggling with this. And I notice when I do this, it makes it worse. And when I do this, it makes it better. And using deductive reasoning and educating themselves and being there to support them on their journey without just saying, oh, you feel that way? Here you go. Here's the pill. That'll fix that. And not taking into consideration all the negative side effects that are associated with that. And again, I'm not saying that medication is never the answer. Right, right. I'm not saying that medication is bad. I'm not saying if you did it as a parent, you're a bad person, you hate your kids. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that maybe we need to look in at what our kids are eating, what our kids are drinking, what our kids are watching, what our kids are feeling and what they're going through because what they go through, they will grow through. And what we're doing as a society is we're preventing our children from being able to properly formulate that frontal lobe of their brain by giving them medications, which are then really not promoting the growth, but demoting it. Wow. Super powerful. You know, for the listeners out there, I'm sure you're blown away by this beautiful young woman's intelligence. Uh, she's written a number of books. One is called Get Off the Couch. So imagine being a therapist and encourage people to get off the couch. That probably didn't go over well in the therapy community. But, she, but she's honest. She's brilliant. Uh, she has integrity. And that's what I love about her. And, and she's going to be one of our faculty members at Mountains of Hope. There's a quality of education that we're going to deliver there while we detox your body, while we rewire your neural pathways, while we clean up any emotional wounds, and you have this amazing spiritual breakthrough. So we only have a couple minutes left, so I want you to share, um, you know, your wellness center and your other products where you sell the online courses of painting mastery. 
But also, I'm going to talk at the end of the show about what I think is our superpower, the subconscious mind. And I know in your book, Get Off the Couch, you speak to the subconscious mind. So you could just give us a little one-minute overview of the subconscious mind and the power of it. Sure. Thank you, Mike. Um, so our conscious mind is what I think of as like your goal getter or your goal setter, right? Like you're consciously going to say, I'm going to start walking, working out every day. I'm going to drink more water and I'm going to be in the best physical, emotional shape of my life, right? But then you have your goal getter, right? Which is your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind is influenced by your thoughts, behaviors, identity, value system. So if my subconscious mind keeps playing the record that I'm a piece of shit, I'm lazy, I'm fat, whatever that like ongoing internal dialogue is, you may go somewhere. But what happens is, is we'll say things like, I don't have the motivation. You know, I start, but I just don't finish. I keep setting the same goals over and over and over again. And I would say that that's really prevalent for somebody who maybe hasn't done the work to rewire or disregard those limiting beliefs to clear up that subconscious garbage that's there because our subconscious garbage has been influenced through, you know, generationally, it's been influenced through our parents, it's been influenced by early education. So sometimes that subconscious is thousands of years old, and we're sitting there trying to make decisions and trying to better our lives without cleaning up the underneath garbage. Yeah. So what a great opportunity it is utilizing tools like NLP, time techniques, um, hypnosis, you know, EFT, you know, different things that you can utilize in order to clear up that subconscious mind. So then you can really then say, okay, well, now I can look at, you know, moving forward successfully because I don't have a belief that I can't anywhere underneath there. And it's not like things aren't going to pop up, you know, <clears throat> life is like a game of whack-a-mole. Like you hit one thing, another <laughs> thing's going to pop up, you hit another thing, another thing's going to pop up, but having the tools and the techniques to then be able to handle it. Like, you know, I think about early on in my life, you know, I didn't have a very problematic life, but I had things that came up in my life. And sometimes those things would last months or years or decades to whereas now even the littlest bit of discomfort, I'm like, Oh, I don't like that. I'm going to go ahead and clear that up. And I have a technique for that. Yeah. I have a tool for that, you know, and we don't let things fester. It's, um, it's the, how do I, for an analogy, it's like driving around with like a flat tire all the time or like a donut, right? You can't go too fast because then your tire's gonna, you know, blow up. So it's just like in life, like if you're driving around with a faulty idea or belief about yourself, you can't get to the next level because you're gonna blow out because you don't have the bandwidth to continue successfully, right? You haven't put in the work, you know, maybe you're dealing with that, like I hear like imposter syndrome, fake it till you make it. It's like, shut up, like just do the fucking work and then you won't have to feel that way. You'll feel good when you show up, you'll feel successful, you'll feel confident because you will be. Amen. Brilliant. Okay, so someone out there listening or watching wants to obtain mastery. How they get a hold of you? Work with you? Yeah, send us. Um, so what we've done is we've taken down all of our um, all of our websites um, purposefully um, because you know we wanted to really create a um, a program. So we've been working diligently on that for about a half a year now um, to support our clients. But we also do have different events and trainings. So just personally email me, um, hello, H-E-L-L-O, at obtainingmastery.com. So it's hello at obtainingmastery.com. And let me know if you're looking to better your personal or professional development. And we have programs for both, both online and in person. So it doesn't matter if you're coming in from uh, Medellin, uh, Colombia, <laughs> or right here in South Florida. So we are there to support you in, um, in any way that we can in any realm. So if anybody out there wants to obtain mastery and have a better life, easier life, and become the best version of myself, I encourage you to email Marista. And I just want to thank you. I want you to know I really appreciate your brilliance, your brilliant mind, but more importantly, your beautiful, open, loving heart. And if, and if you guys ever want to see um, wholeness, complete wholeness, authenticity, and transparency in one person, you've just witnessed it. So Marista, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me here. I really appreciate you. All right. See you later. Okay, you guys, now is my favorite time of the show, and that's the Mountains of Hope segment. And if you want to know about Mountains of Hope, that's our amazing transformational health retreat center that we're building here in Medellin, Colombia. And I encourage you to go to mountainsofhope.com and check it out because there's really nothing like it in the world. 
And today we're bringing in one of our lovely health coaches, Kelly. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> and Kelly, what would you like to talk about today? I'm going to talk about something that we all normally have, but sometimes when they are not in the right place, they can affect our health, and that's relationships. Okay. I can't wait. So the idea is, Mike, as health coaches, one of the things that we look at people, a person, when they come to us, is how are their relationships? Because as we know, those can affect our health in many ways. I mean, like literally, our uh, cortisol because if you have a really good relationship, quick stuff with oxytocin. Yes. Because if you have a good relationship, you actually your health will increase. You will be able to recuperate, to restore from your heart. So oxytocin is known as the love chemical, right? Yes, exactly. And where is that made? So what is that made of? Where is it made? Uh, where is it made? I'm like, what is that made of? <laughs> <laughs> made of love. <laughs> like absolutely. No, and you know what is one of the amazing things about it? Hugging. Oh. Beautiful. I mean, you hug someone with love. I mean, it's not just that I right, hug like right, love. Right, 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 right. No, no, a real hug. And you actually, your body produces it. Something that, for example, mothers, when they are feeding the babies, is one of those connections that actually are being created there. And that's why the babies are so close to their moms when they get sick or when they want something. It's being produced while they're actually feeding their babies. And it's, it's so beautiful to see how, when we relate from love to people, we can actually increase the wellness, the well-being of our own lives. And it's really important. And one of the things that I always say to people, there are simple ways to actually make it happen. And it doesn't take like a huge study or a doctorate, but it's something that we need to understand and also study. Yes. So John Maxwell is actually one of those persons that I follow, actually a, a coach, John Maxwell. And there are three things that we can say do from now to actually improve our relationships. Because sometimes we're always looking for people to do something for us. And probably sometimes we are thinking, oh, if that person does this for me, my health will be better. But sometimes, and I will say most times, we should start with how do we create good relationships for other people? What can I do today so that people, when they leave my presence, they're actually happier, they are healthier, they actually have that impression and that emotion. Okay. So for me, it's the intimate relationship has yeah. always been the, the biggest challenge, right? Because you're worth with this person a lot. And what I've learned, I've had three wives, and... And in this current relationship that I'm in, I've learned to be more giving mm -hmm. and constantly aware and conscious and awake of how can I give to this person rather than what can I get? What yeah. about that? Yeah, I believe that it's starting from there. One of the things that many times people get is so self-focus that uh, the giving part is like, you know, I'm waiting for someone to give to me. And it goes also to that half orange, like you find you have orange, it's like a, you are in need of something and you're not complete. But when you give out of your fulfillment, of your completeness, it's different than when you get into a relationship where you're expecting the other person to give to you. Because you are starting from a point of advantage when you're actually looking, how do I give to that person? Because we actually trigger that, that is, it's a law in life. As you give, you will receive. Right. So if you want to improve your relationships, start giving or doing for the other person what you would like to be receiving from that person. And you are sowing. I mean, how can you reap before sowing? Right, exactly. So I remember years ago reading a book by John Gray called Men Are From Venus and Women Are From Mars. And what was interesting is I think what we have to realize, there's a huge difference between a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. you know. And so when there is tension in the relationship or when voices start to rise, men need to internalize what the heck is going on, what just happened. And so we want to go into our cave and contemplate and figure out what is going on here, where woman, in my opinion, and correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong, wants re resolution right away. They need resolution right away. How do we, how do we make that work? I think first understanding the difference and celebrating the difference instead of judging the difference. So what we understand, and that is, there have been many studies done about the difference between men and women, their brains, uh, what they're expecting. Uh, Dr. Goldman is another one that is really good in therapies for uh, couples, and he actually also talks about men like less conflict, more sex. Yeah. Women like talk more, more love. So it's like uh, that's. So we come from different points. So when I understand that, if I have an issue with a man, whether it's my husband, whether it is uh, any man. So I want to say this is for all men because there are certain men that have right. more feminine energy. Right. But I will say, if I already know that that person likes to take that time, so I even offer that time. Would you like to talk later about it? Yes. Because that is being operating from wisdom yes. instead of for my language. Yeah. So needing, understanding what is the language of the other one to conflict resolve process, yeah. that is the main thing. So if you already know that you need the space, so with humility. Yeah. So we like to take a space and we can regroup in an hour tomorrow. So that's super mature. So you ladies out there, just give your guy a little space. And for you guys out there, try to get out of your cave as soon as possible. Know that they want to resolve it, but I understand that you need that. There, I read another great book called His Needs, Her Needs, and yeah. it was because sex was one of the top needs of men, and women was security, and more importantly, 
communication. Yeah. So how, do, how does communication work for male-female relationship? I will say there, again, without stereotyping anyone, I will say first, ask the person, how does it work for you? Will you prefer long talks? Will you prefer to come home? When, will you prefer to talk when you come home? Will you prefer to find a space different than home? I always suggest to people to actually find a place different than the bedroom because you don't want to bring the energy of conflict into your bedroom. I mean, trying to do it in your living room, go out and have a talk, find a place to do so. But also, I would say for the men, be conscious that women like attention. I mean, yeah. look at her, not be in your phone. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, tell me what is that you want to talk about. No, no, no. Look at her eyes. I mean, right. be there for her. Attention is one of the things that I, I will say for me as a woman that we really kind of like, I want that. But we all have different love languages. So understanding what is the one for the other person. How do you like to communicate? You like long text. It's like what you do with a client. If you have a client that hates emails, for example, and you keep emailing, right. I send you an email, I send you an email, but you already know they don't like emails. They like WhatsApp. They like a call. I don't know. Uh, so find out how does the other person like to communicate and be intentional in actually doing it in that person's way. Yeah. And so we need to be conscious. Yes. We need to be present. Absolutely. We need to put our phone down, look in our significant other's eyes, open our heart, and have those kind of conversations. And, you know, and after time, we, we, we tend to take the other person in for granted. Mm -hmm. And we need to work at this relationship. I know I'm guilty of it as times. And I need to take my wife out to dinner, leave the phone in the car, mm -hmm. and have a real conversation from a heartfelt space. Do you yeah. agree? Emotional intimacy is something that we need to develop and being intentional around it. And I will say that in many relationships, you will find the aisle and the wife. The aisle is the person that normally tends to isolate and the kind of like, leave me alone. Like that will get resolved with time. The wife is the person in the relationship that kind of makes it happen, makes it happen. And we need to be able to hear and to be conscious of those kind of things, that, the flags that the other person is sending to us. And that's why I would say those three things for me in every relationship, give attention, give affirmation, and give appreciation to people. I mean, when you have that it's like a prophylactic thing. I mean, if you're always present, giving attention, giving affirmation, hey, how great you did this, appreciating the other person, you kind of have points of credits, yeah. I would say that. Yeah. So when the difficulty comes, yeah. there is more space yeah. there to actually construct it. But be, leave the one today. You know, oh, I did this for you three, three weeks ago. No, no, no. Be attentive today. Be present today. Affirm the person. And, and make those love deposits in that bank account. Exactly. So the more deposits you have, and when there is friction, there is tension, it eases it and makes it easier mm -hmm. to resolve. I want to share one more thing with the with the viewers out there. And this was in that book, His Needs, Her Needs, that guys respond to being admired. They want their spouse to admire them. But I think that's great for us, but we need to we need to be sensitive to the woman's needs too and that security and that affection. You yeah. want affection, we want admiration. Uh, we want sex. Hopefully you want sex too. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's always a different, you know, you got to get on the same wavelength. No, I'm going to tell you, the woman feels love and appreciated. Yes, yes. I mean, seriously, she will respond like, yeah, like, no problem. It's not an issue. And I'll say, guys, that is something that we love to hear. I'm sorry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So, so if you want better health, work on your relationship, be present, be conscious, and and you'll get what you want, men. <laughs> and and if you don't have a good relationship, it's going to affect the quality of your health because you're going to release cortisol and adrenaline, all these things that aren't good for you. So, Kelly, thank you. We'll see you next Pleasure. week. We appreciate it as always. And remember, check out mountainsofhope.com, and we hope to see you there. All right, guys, this is the favorite segment besides the Mountain of Hope segment, and that's when I use the power of my voice to share with you my personal experience on how you can radically transform the quality of your life, how you can become the best version of yourself for not only yourself, but for your family, for your community, and for all of us, for that matter. And I want to talk about the superpower that you probably don't even know you have. And if you do know you have it, you probably don't know how to access it. And if you do know how to access it, do you fully know how to use it? So what am I talking about? I'm talking about the power of the subconscious mind. So what is it, where is it, and what does it do? So most people, if I ask them, <laughs> where's your subconscious mind, they're gonna tell me it's in their brain, which isn't actually factual or proven. The brain is the hardware, the mind is the software. Now, they don't really know where the mind exists, okay? They can't identify it. And when I say mind, that's the thoughts, and, and that's the conscious mind, which I'm talking to you from right now. That's where I can create from. And then there's the subconscious mind. What's the difference? Well, the subconscious mind is running the show, running your life 95% of the time. And it's a supercomputer. It's a super, super computer. 
So, for example, right now, your subconscious mind, my subconscious mind, is taking in, some people say, billions of bits of information, but we know at least over one million bits of information my supercomputer called the subconscious mind is taking in my heartbeat, my blood pressure, the temperature. But it's also, you know, sometimes you feel like you have eyes in the back of your head. That's the subconscious mind because it's connected to everything. The subconscious mind is connected to the field of infinite possibilities. It's the energy of the mind, right? So it's taking in a million bits of information. Then it chooses 40 bits of information out of that one million to deliver to the conscious mind, the awakened mind, the mind that I can do something with, right? How does it know what 40 bits of information to choose that I want delivered to me? Well, based on what I th it thinks I want, based on what I talk about, what I think about, what I say, and what I feel. So, for example, let's say I have a bunch of limiting beliefs, okay? Like I'm not good enough. Um, I'm, I'm going to get sick. Um, I always fail. Um, I can't hit this shot, particular golf shot. I can't make this basket. Okay, the subconscious doesn't judge. So whenever if I'm talking like that all day long with my self-talk or talking to others, the subconscious mind now thinks that's what I want and desire. So it's looking for bits of information to deliver to my conscious mind to support that belief system. That's why it's so important that we tell it what we want. So what are some ways to access the, the subconscious mind? And this is what I love about meditation. See, when we're meditating, what we're doing is we're we're cutting down the conscious mind. And by the way, the conscious mind is also the critical mind, the judge mind. I call it the mind of the psychopaths, the critics. The, it can be very, very detrimental to our life if we don't control our thoughts in the conscious mind because it feeds the subconscious mind. So when I'm meditating, what I'm doing is I'm slowing the brain waves, my brain waves. I'm going for, like right now I'm in beta, okay? Then I go down to alpha, and theta, and then when I'm sleeping, I'm in delta, right? So if I can lower these brain waves, and then through meditation, now I'm getting deeper, into the conscious mind is getting turned off, and the subconscious mind, now I can drop stuff into the subconscious mind. That's what I learned through the mystery man in 1982, the creation frequency, how to do that, and we'll talk about this in a minute. The other thing is accessing the subconscious is visualization. So now I want to see the picture of what I really want in my life, I want to feel that as if it already exists in my life. Now I'm in the subconscious mind. Now here's the magic of the subconscious mind. So let's talk about the creation frequency for a second. And what this man taught me in 1982, it's mind-blowing to me because I was just a young, dumb idiot, desperate, looking for anything that could transform my life. I trusted this man. He taught me this process um, that I used to create a beautiful life. And now, now that I'm learning more and, and really want to go deeper into the subject matter so I could teach it in Mountains of Hope, I'm blown away what this guy taught me over 40 years ago and how Dr. Joe Dispenza teaches this, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Um, and the, one of the greatest books out there, I, I should have brought the copy with me for this talk, is The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. No relation. I, I read it in the 80s. He wrote it probably in the 20s or 30s or 40s, somewhere way back then. It's all about the amazing power of the subconscious mind when we can access and use it. Miracles will literally take place. What do I mean? So once I tell the subconscious mind what I want, so the trick here is to get into a self-hypnotic trance. Hypnosis is another way to access the subconscious mind. So I put myself in a self-hypnotic trance. So for example, how do I do that? So what we teach in the creation frequency is I record a relaxation script in my own voice. And we have an app called the Creation Frequency app, and it's embedded with Theta Brainwave music. So as I'm listening to this relaxation script, and it's very simple, you know, my hands are tight, now they're relaxed. My forearms are tight, now they're relaxed. My calves are tight, now they're relaxed. And the Theta Brainwave music is playing, so now my brainwaves are slowing down into Theta, and I'm able to access the subconscious mind. What do I do immediately after I get into this self-hypnotic trance? I record the intentions that I want to happen in my life. And the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. So we write these intentions as if they already exist. Okay, for example, um, I'm building this healing retreat center here in Medellin, Colombia. So my intention, I love the fact that Mountains of Hope is helping so many people. I love the fact that people from all over the world with, with 
health issues come to Mountains of Hope, and they learn how to heal themselves. And most importantly, I love it. When they're leaving, they give me this amazing hug with tears streaming down their face of love and joy and gratitude and thanks. The place isn't even open yet, but that's the, where I put myself, and I feel that. And what that does, and this intention, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and builds and builds and builds. So I'm using visualization. I'm using self-hypnosis. I'm accessing the subconscious mind. The other thing that happens to the subconscious mind, as I said earlier, it's connected to everything. It's our connection to source, which I call God, creator, whatever you want to call it, higher power. It's connected to each and every one of you. So when I put these intentions, because I record them in my own voice, well, that's what did Tesla tell us? If you want to understand the universe, you have to understand energy, vibration, and frequency. So now that sound, vibration, frequency is going into the field of infinite possibilities, and all of a sudden the right people start to show up. The right books start to show up. The right thoughts or ideas start to show up. The right funding starts to show up, and everything flows differently. But we have to understand this superpower because who programmed your subconscious mind? Your parents, television, education. And they programmed in you when you were from birth to age eight because we're in theta brainwave right there and we're a sponge. We're just taking the stuff in. So in my case, my subconscious mind got programmed to, to, for chaos. Okay, my central nervous system is programmed for chaos. So I'm able to calm this down with these powerful intentions and rewire that subconscious, reprogram my subconscious for what I truly desire from my heart and my soul. So I hope this has helped you a little bit, but you got, this is a big subject, and you can go to YouTube. There's all kinds of videos on the power of your subconscious mind. I really recommend that book, The Power of the, uh, the Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. And, of course, there's The Creation Frequency by Mike Murphy. And if you want to know more, go to MikeMurphyUnfiltered.com. Check it out and go to my YouTube channel, Mike Murphy Unfiltered. There's tons of videos where you can get this. But this is your superpower. This is like putting an S on your shirt, ripping off your suit, going into that phone booth, putting on your cape and your shirt with the S on it. When you can access your subconscious mind and learn to reprogram it for what you truly want and desire, trust me, your life will change radically. You will have amazing transformation, and you will start manifesting and creating the life that you truly desire and the one that I really believe you deserve. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Power of Your Voice with Mike Murphy. This podcast is brought to you by Mike Murphy Unfiltered, The Creation Frequency, Mountains of Hope, and The Love from Margo Foundation. These sponsors are dedicated to helping you unleash your full potential and live a life of joy and abundance. If you enjoyed this episode, please visit our website at mikemurphyunfiltered.com and subscribe to our podcast.